Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over just one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Chapter 15 is a theme of lost, lost coin, lost sheep, and the story of the two lost sons that you might know it as the prodigal son. The word lost, I almost think is the worst possible word to describe someone's condition. And I say that because this past week, as I'm uh, reading on the, uh, the annual, you know, the uh, annual morning of 9-11, uh, an article in the New York Times was titled, uh, pretty common title, but Remembering Those We Lost. And it just struck me that that's how a lot of people think of death. And we all say it pretty flippantly, right? I lost my grandfather today. I lost my whatever, you know, back in 95. You know, we say that lost when we talk about death, but that's a terrible word. It's almost a word, it's almost a feeling that's worse than death in, in its scientific aspect. Lost. They're gone. You don't see them anymore. Someone that you were with your whole life, and now they're gone. I mean, there's no better word than I lost them. And I don't know where they are. You look at your kids today. You look at those you love now. Is there a worse fear than losing them? A couple of years ago, doing a funeral at my last church, Helen Gray, her husband died. We were, because I was at a funeral. And uh, we were at, we're there and we're coming back at the end. The last song is singing, playing, and I'm walking down with her as I do. And she just broke down in tears and just cried out, I've lost my husband. I don't know where he is. The truest words ever spoken. And I got to tell her, I know exactly where he is. He has been found, if anybody has ever been found. He is with Jesus. You will see him again. And those are words that she needs to hear every day. He's not lost. God is the one that finds the lost. And lost is the perfect word for our condition as humanity. Everyone born is born lost. Because there's worse ways, I would suggest, being lost than death or at least equal. And that is lost in the sense of sin dividing you from someone else. A couple going through divorce, living in the same house who are lost to one another, who no longer know or trust what the other one is doing. That's a lostness that can have a despair that's deeper than losing someone to death, can it? 
Or maybe you know what lost is as you have pushed someone away, as you have said something, done something that caused a divide. And now it's done. And I know for a fact there are some of you that know what it's like to lose a family member and not to death. You don't know where they are. You have not spoken to them in years. God bless you. We lose things, not just through death and hurting, but through sin. That's the story of the Bible. The Bible is all about God finding the lost. Lost people being found, sinners being forgiven, the dead being raised. God is the one that finds the lost no matter where they go, even death, and brings them back. Amen? That's what it's all about. We begin with Genesis, don't we? In Genesis, we got Adam and Eve. Great, they're together. Family, perfect marriage, nothing to divide them. God walks with them. They know where God is, who he is in their life. They trust one another. And then action. They rebel. They take what's not theirs. And now they clothe themselves. And they lose themselves to one another. They lost a little bit that they never got back. Because no matter if they lived together, Adam and Eve, and the marriage kept on going. They had kids. But there was always a little divide. They were lost a little bit. And of course, the same couple runs from God, trying to get lost, trying to hide. And they no longer know exactly where God is or what he's going to do. So they live in a fear because they don't know him anymore because this sin has divided them. What does God say when they're running in the garden? He could have smacked them, he could have punished them, he could have killed them, as he said would happen. But in their fear, as they were lost, he says, where are you? And he finds them. And it didn't feel good when he found them, just like maybe when you were a kid, and you ran away, and you felt lost, and dad finally got you, and you had to deal with a little punishment. But yeah, how good that must have felt. To hear God's voice again. The Bible, the history of the people of God, of humanity and God, is about us being lost and God finding. And us being lost is usually our own fault. We're the ones getting lost on purpose. And this world is full of people who are lost. And they are living in chaos. They are lost in what's happened to them. They don't know where God is or what he's thinking or why he's doing what he's doing. And they're lost in their own behaviors. And they've hurt people. And they feel alone like Adam and Eve did. And they can be said to be lost. God is the one that finds the lost. He started in Genesis. God made a promise to Adam and Eve. Remember what he said? To the snake, he said it so everybody could hear it. He said, I put enmity between you and her offspring, Eve's offspring. She is her offspring. He is going to crush your head. And you will bite his heel. And sure enough, God came himself to find lost creation Lost people, lost sinners, 
in the son of Eve, Jesus. And so Christ came to do that. That's what he came to do. He only came to find people who were lost. He only came to find sinners. He only came to find people who were dead. So if your life is great and fine, Jesus is not for you. (laughs) And so here's Christ in chapter 15 of Luke. Guess what he's doing? He's doing what he does. He's hanging out with lost people. People that don't know why they feel the way they feel. People who have acted upon their desires and got in trouble. People who have been cast out because they did public things that they should be ashamed of. And people look the other way when they walk by the street. The tax collectors, and they just call them sinners. They really were. They were sinners. They were bad people. They did bad things. Don't make them nice or okay. But one thing they knew, they're lost. And nobody else would ever talk to them or hang out or eat with them. And then this Jesus came and said hi. (laughs) And didn't hold their sins against them. And listen to these guys. So here's Jesus hanging out with these, uh, you can name it. I want you to name in your heads people who've done terrible things, the people that you say are the enemies of Christianity, people that you say are just living absolutely ridiculous lifestyles, people who are just not living a civilized, I don't know, but you know who they are, that you might call lost. Christ is sitting here eating with them. The tax collectors and sinners are all drawing near to hear him because only sinners can hear Jesus. If you're good and you're fine and great, you don't hear Jesus. And so they're listening to Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes, that is experts in the law. They know the Bible backward and forward. It's memorized. They know every line. They're scribing. They're rewriting it. They know the story of Adam and Eve. They know the people of Israel grumbling and being lost in the wilderness. They know these stories. And yet they see Jesus hanging around with lost people. And they say, this man receives sinners and eats with them. It was totally bizarre to them. Because Jesus is supposed to be holy, righteous, a prophet, the hero, the man of God that's going to make things right. People are saying he's the Messiah. And he's hanging around with bad people who everybody knows what they did. They're in the press. They're on the papers. And Christ is not just receiving them, meaning actively going after them and welcoming them. He's eating with them, which back then was a sign. You don't just do that. There's no McDonald's. Food is precious. When you eat with someone, it is a sign to the outside world and to that person. We are tight. We are one. I got your back. It's a family fellowship act. Much like the beefsteak was, right? I got to eat with sinners. People were looking at me like, look at this guy. He's eating with tax collectors and sinners. No, joking, they didn't. Probably said that about me, maybe, but uh, it amazed them. And then Jesus says this. What man of you has a hundred sheep, if he's lost one, does not leave the ninety-nine, and goes all that he can, and finds that one, puts them on his shoulders, and brings them back? And then he says, I tell you this, there's more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents than 99 righteous people who don't need repentance, as if that exists. 
And then he says, what about the, there's a woman, you know, who lost, has 10 coins, silver coins. She loses one, a tenth of her property. She will do anything she can to find that. And when she finds it, she's going to throw a party. Angels rejoice when just one human being out of, what is it, six billion? How many people are on the earth? I don't know. It doesn't matter. A lot. Just one. Think about what Jesus is saying. One. Repents and believes. Comes back home. Now, how in the world could these Pharisees and scribes get to this point where they literally don't understand the Bible? The stories of God from Genesis onward are about sinners and God finding them, forgiving, rescuing, nobodies, nothings, people that were once dead, giving birth to the barren, life to the dead, forgiveness to sinners. The Bible, that's what the Bible is. And here they are, surprised that God is hanging around with those people. Judging, actually. What's the problem? They didn't believe that they were lost. They thought that they were righteous. That they were good. That they had done all the right things. Dot of the I's, cross the T's. And so because of that... They thought they deserved Jesus to eat with them. And he's eating with sinners. And it angers them or it confuses them because they don't understand that when he hangs out with them, he's eating and drinking and hanging with sinners as well. And this shouldn't surprise us because we can be just like this. We've uh, worked with a couple of people. We're, we're composing a mission vision, you know, kind of one-line statement of who St. James is as a church and school and what we're called to do. And we're exploring these different phrases, and we're talking a little bit about, uh, or there's Mike there, about um, lost. You know, like we could say, you know, St. James, finding the lost. And we're ta- we, someone brought it up. It's like, that could be, like, offensive, because who really wants to admit what? That you're lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not lost. You know what I mean? It's almost kind of insulting that you're saying that I'm lost. Oh, I need St. James. Oh, I need Jesus because I'm lost. You know what I mean? People, we don't really like to admit this. And it's not just people out there. That's not good outside language. And I don't think we should use that language because it does come across kind of like a little pretentious. We're found. And we're coming. You know, it's a terrible thing. I've come to, like, go to, go to your neighbor first time you meet him. Hey. You're probably lost and messed up living a life of sin. I've come to save you. Do you think that'll go over well? No. <laughs> don't do that, please. Or don't say that you're from St. James. But we're all like this, right? Classic guy driving. Are you going to stop for directions? Are you going to admit that you can't find where you're supposed to be going? Or you can keep on driving and pretend like you know what you're doing the whole time? Oh, I meant to go down this whatever road. And I definitely do that around here still. We don't. We hate to admit that we're wrong and that we're lost. Like those Pharisees. We like to think that we're okay. I don't know where we get the idea, but we think that we're good people. And so when you do that, you start looking at others as if they are monsters and freaks and unsavable because you think you at least had some potential. I think most Christians think they have some potential that God saw. And that's why we're here. 
That's how the Pharisees were. And those people that live lives like that, how could they make those decisions? How could they do that? They're lost, unsavable, not holy, no hope. And the big lie is what? We were all born lost. Amelia was born lost, and God found her. You were too. Not only that, but there's something in us that always wants to run and hide and rebel. And I strongly suggest for you every day to admit that. It actually is a relieving, powerful thing to be able to look at God or look in the mirror and say, I really stink outside of God's grace. It's okay to do that. It's relieving because you don't have the pressure of pretending you're righteous or putting up a face or a fraud or a costume or disguise or the pressure of I need to keep up with the Joneses of righteousness. But we can actually wake up and say, I'm a nobody, I'm lost, I'm a sinner, I'm no better than that person or that person. Thank God I've been found, forgiven, and given eternal life. And when you live like that every day, you stop kind of looking at other people like they're nuts. And you realize that's what it's like. Outside of Christ, why would we expect people to act any differently in the culture? Why do we expect the world to be any different? We're here, we're called to go out and find and give hope and to give peace. So Jesus speaks these words about finding the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. That's what God does. That's what he's given us to do. There's nobody in this community, not one single person, no matter how adamantly they are anti-God or Christianity, no matter how ridiculous and insane their lifestyle is or what they've done, nobody who's incapable of being found by Jesus, there is nobody that God did not die for, that Christ does not love. No one. And for 150 years, this church has been finding the lost, and it's going to keep on doing that with eyes wide open and nobody off limits because God is crazy in love with that enemy of yours, with that neighbor of yours, with you. This Jesus speaks these words, and then he goes to the cross. When you feel alone, when sin can kind of surround you, it just, it makes you feel alone. You know what I mean? And then there's Jesus on the cross. And what does he say? He becomes lost. For just a moment, Jesus allows himself to be lost by his father. What does he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for a second, Christ becomes lost so that we would be found. He takes our punishment. He hides. He's lost. God turns his face away from Jesus for a moment so that he may turn it upon you and us and capture us as he does in baptism and forgiveness. And what does he do? Welcome you sinners, tax collectors, to the table. And today, he's going to eat with you with his own body and blood. 
Christ still eats with sinners because that's what he does every Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 